0: Good morning, please be seated. Um, for any newcomers that we have this morning, my name is Sarah Condon. I'm married to the priest, the rector of this church, Josh Condon. I am ordained, so no, like if you're feeling like you just wanna wander up here and say something, you really should talk to Josh first. Um, I just <laughs> wanted to give that caveat there. I'm like, who's the crazy lady that got out of the, um, the congregation? So um, this passage is one of those gospel texts that makes everyone very confused. I just want to say that from the outset. I read so many biblical commentaries trying to prepare for this morning, and most of them said, just skip over all the confusing stuff and shame people who have money. So. Shame on us is the takeaway. Um, You know it's bad when the trained theologians just want to turn the scripture into sort of a a money ethics lesson. Um, You know know it's an intense gospel. So we're going to unpack this passage today because I think it's worth attempting. But on that note, please pray with me. Gracious and loving God, We ask for your spirit to be with us this morning, to guide us, to hear the message that you want us to hear, that we are loved beyond measure. Lord God, we pray for the one who preaches, for you know her sins are many. Amen. So this is the parable of the dishonest manager. You'll also hear um, dishonest steward, who Jesus affirms. So first I want to point out just explain what's happening because I know it can be confusing. So this man is about to be fired by his boss for doing a bad job. And so in his last few days around the office he goes around telling people who owe money to his boss that actually they can just cut those bills in half and pay him directly Because he won't have a stream of income, and this is maybe one of the funniest lines in the Bible, he quote, doesn't know how to dig, and is too proud to beg. Um, Which I feel the same way. Um, But at least he's honest. And I think that's perhaps what Jesus is wanting us to see in this text. He wants us to read it for what it is, because he goes on to say, that for the the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And he also says, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? So, So what does all this mean? So there is one theologian, I would say he's maybe the most quoted theologian in this pulpit that Josh and I both dearly love, um, a long-dead Episcopal priest named Robert Farrar Capon. And this is what Capon says about this parable. I, I don't usually read long quotes, but you need to hear all of this. So he, he writes this. The unjust steward is nothing less than the Christ-like figure in this parable, which I know is like, ooh, <laughs> a dead ringer for Jesus himself. First of all, he dies and rises like Jesus. So remember, this guy is fired, but he somehow rises out of that, right? Second, by his death and resurrection, he raises others like Jesus. So he's going around, he's, he's lessening debts. This should feel familiar to us. But third, and most important of all, the unjust steward is the Christ-like figure because he is a crook. And I know this hits us, right? But we have to remember that Jesus was always in trouble with the law. And he died a criminal on a cross. So the unique contribution, Capen goes on to say, of this parable to our understanding of Jesus is its insistence that grace cannot come into the world through respectability. Grace cannot come into the world through respectability. This parable, this is still Capon, therefore says in story form what Jesus said by his life. He was not respectable. He broke the Sabbath. He consorted with crooks, and he died as a criminal. Now at last, in the light of this parable, we see why he refused to be respectable. Christianity, especially our American version of Christianity, drives us into thinking that respectability is a key virtue. But Jesus was not respected. Certainly his early followers were not respected because that was never the goal. Respectability was never the outcome. The goal was death and resurrection for sinners like us. That was the goal. Not only is Capon spot on that grace cannot come into our world through respectability, but it cannot come into our hearts that way either. Many of you know that I am the uh, Episcopal chaplain to the students at Rice University. It is a job that I love. I get to spend my days with, with super bright young people. And a massive part of my job is explaining why church and Christianity matter so much, why it is a thing that they should be a part of. And I have something I say to every student when I sit down and I take them out for coffee for the first time. And it's become kind of like a motto for our ministry. I say, in, in this group, in this ministry, in this church community, we do not take ourselves seriously but we take the gospel and the grace of God very seriously. I feel that in this year of our Lord, 2022, this is kind of a defiant stance. Our world is made up of people who take themselves entirely too seriously. Everything is serious. We must all have expert opinions on all of it. When I read the news headlines these days, I often think, Are we all scientists, doctors, and lately, elementary school librarians? Should we all be taking all of these things so seriously? Are we even capable of that? I am not capable of that. Maybe you are. I'm not capable of that. One way that I see this up close and personal is in our neighborhood through the political signs that are in so many people's yards. And if you have a political sign in your yard, this is for you. <laughs> we can talk later. Um, these baffle me. When I take my like calm morning walks, there is a cul-de-sac in our neighborhood that has such opposing political language, I mean, from either side of the spectrum, that I feel like I'm walking into a fight. Also, I just—I don't think anyone's mind has ever been changed by a sign in your yard. I just, I just don't. And, and the other thing that strikes me is that these are the people we suffer with, right? If you were here for Harvey, our neighbors are the people that we called when we needed help. These are the people that bring us casseroles when someone dies. Is this how we want to define ourselves to our neighbors? Is it respectable to, like, have your thing in your yard that lets everybody know? Probably. It's probably respectable. Is it gracious? I don't know. I fear we are so fixated on being right, on being respectable, on being serious people, that we forget our own flawed fallenness as human beings, our own abilities to be wrong, our own profound need for God's grace. Have we forgotten that grace is for the least respectable among us? That grace is for us. Jesus tells us another thing in this passage that I love. He tells us that we cannot serve two masters. And in this text, he is talking about God and money. But I want to suggest to you that he could be talking about anything that you take too seriously that is not God. Anything in your life that causes you to be dishonest about your own regrets and failures, anything that gets in the way of God's mercy, anything that makes you what the world might call respectable. God is not looking for us to stand in front of him and be respectable people. God is looking at us and longing to connect with the parts of us that we use respectability to try to hide. Let him in. Let him see you. Now, I want to say I do not often come into sermons giving advice or homework about what you should do this week. But I do want to offer a few ideas. And I want to say the preacher is always preaching to herself first, right? So take yourself less seriously this week. Just try. Just for like 24 hours. Maybe you can't do a week. Just try. 15 minutes, right? If you've got kids at home, remind yourself that it's okay to be late for an appointment because their stories go on for too long. If your hips and knees are still in pretty good shape, when you go to bed tonight, I want you to run and just leap into the bed like a seven-year-old. And if your spouse is not here, please wait until they get in bed first and they'll have no idea what you're doing. And I'm serious because it will make you laugh and there's no better antidote to the poison of seriousness than the grace of laughter. Apologize to someone the day you hurt their feelings. I am not good at this but I know because I am me, because I am fallen, because I'm not respectable, that I will hurt someone's feelings this week and I will need to apologize. Call someone that you've been holding a grudge against for years and apologize to them, even if you think they should be apologizing to you. Because who knows, maybe you were too serious back then, right, maybe you're actually the wrong one. And if you're feeling like really whimsical, take down your political yard signs. (laughs) This is what Christianity looks like. It is not respectable. I don't know, I mean, I could say where we got those ideas from, but it's not, Christianity is not respectable. It is gracious, it is faithful, and it makes the thing the thing. Jesus was right. We cannot serve two gods, but who really wants to? It's miserable. It's miserable. I want to serve Jesus, and I know that you do too. He is not interested in us being serious about ourselves. He longs for us to be serious about mercy and love. Grace only comes through the least respectable people. And thank God that that is us. Amen. Amen.